WXME AM 780 Monticello Holton Presque Good morning, Aroostook County. This is the Aroostook Watch and Radio Show. This is Jack McCarthy, your host. Time to choose. Time to choose. We all get that opportunity, and then we generally blow it. Time to choose. Liberty or slavery? Freedom. Uh, What is liberty but the expression of our self-imposed moral restraints on our personal freedom? I like that. Kind of cool. That's that's how I view liberty. You're at liberty to do the things that do not infringe on your neighbor's freedom. So our freedom, our self-imposed limits to our personal freedom is what liberty is about. Think about it. Let's do something with it. We are coming to you live on the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine. On 7:80 a.m., Superstation WXME out of Monticello, a slightly wide spot in the road going north on Route One. That's uh, that's after 95 ends for you folks that aren't from Maine or the county or the East Coast. That that 95 Interstate 95 corridor that runs north and south, you know, from from the Florida Keys to Northern Maine. Well, it ends in Holton, and then we go north from there. So. It's the uh, Arista County is the largest county in uh, square miles east of the Mississippi and has more moose per acre than people. Now, we're coming to you right out of Aroostook County, Maine. Uh, it's a beautiful place to raise kids on some days. And we're also throughout the state on our microtransmitter network. And we are in Westbrook in the back bay of Portland on 88.1 in Bangor and Brewer on 96.5 in Lewiston on 1700 on the AM side and on the internet we're on TalkShoe when the dumb thing works most of the time it works except that guest 5 just disappeared poofta so, so the internet's kind of interesting it's kind of it's a crazy thing i have no idea how it works or what it is it just works and most of the time it's pretty cool and that's how we link up to the uh the station in uh, Monticello, wherever we are in the world, doing the uh, doing our radio shows, whether it's uh, myself or Steve or or uh, Roger Eck, we just call in on this crazy thing, and most of the time it works. You can enter into the chat in Talkshoe, T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E, Talkshoe.com. Uh, look for Aroostook Watchman up in the upper right-hand corner, and when you go to Talkshoe.com, You'll find two boxes. One is the the name to search for or the account number to search for, and it's 52956. Puts you right into the um, chat room, and the guys in the chat room, folks in chat room are swapping information and and making comments, and some of them are great, and every once in a while there's the the, uh, array of detractors. Uh, We've got the ones on one side saying, uh, I don't want to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not even going to address it. Uh, it, it, it. If you don't hate the right people, we don't like you. If you do hate the right people, we do like you. Ah, a bunch of crap. Anyway, we're going to get into a couple things here. There's lots of stuff going on this morning. There's uh, uh, Jeff Zimba from Sports Alliance of Maine wrote a really good uh, explanation uh, it's kind of detailed and it's kind of long, so we'll get into that in the, the second half of the show this morning uh, on the Constitutional Carry Bill LR280. He's got some, it's well done, so better to actually read that than to try to interpret it myself. And we'll just do that in the, at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, all kinds of great stuff going on. <clears throat> Not. And uh, we'll see how we can do on some of that. Uh, announcements, the, uh, the uh, next event to come up will be in uh, Portland on the 26th, 
as the uh, main Supreme Judicial Court prepares to hear the uh, LePage versus Mills uh, question of law, and we'll see how that goes. I am still amazed. I, I, I don't understand the workings of the main Supreme Judicial Court, what their requirements are, what they have to do. I don't know. It's way out of my league, definitely out of my pay grade. And uh, I'm surprised they haven't just squashed the whole thing and said we're not going to even talk about this. But maybe they can't. I, I don't know how that works. But anyway, it's going to get interesting. They're going to be discussing, they're supposed to be discussing or deciding on this question of law that the governor asked. And uh, it gave us an opportunity to get into the court record if they actually if it actually goes in, I don't know how the, I don't know how the heck it works, but if it actually goes in, uh, there will be a very well worded, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, uh, done by Lise and Dottie and Phil and and uh, Gina and a few others who had input into it, a brief on the way that the Constitution for Maine has been unlawfully modified because of the question that the governor asked. And the fact that the that the main Supreme Judicial Court, I guess, had to open it up to uh, anyone having an interest in the issue could make a response or file a brief. And so we did. And I don't think they can ignore it if they if they respond to the question. I, I think they have the option of of silence. But I guess we'll see. It's going to get interesting. In the meantime, so that's on the 26th. I believe that is, let's see my look at my little calendar here. That is next Thursday in Portland. <coughs> if you're in the southern part of the state, we would love to have some some uh, support. If you can turn up there at uh, wherever the heck it is, I have no idea where the main Supreme Judicial Court meets. Maybe it's at uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Who knows? But uh, oh, just kidding. But uh, we would love to have some uh, some people sitting there, and uh, show of support would be nice. It's really it really stinks walking into a lot of these things when it's just the three of us or the four of us. Sometimes just the two of us, and once in a while we end up each of us end up doing it alone. I'll tell you what, that's intimidating. I mean, it's it's like it's like just walking over the hill with everybody shooting at you. It really stinks. So we can get some support. We'd appreciate it. Um, if you want to support it financially, we could use a little bit of that too. A whole day all the way to blooming Portland and back and all that nightmare is going to be expensive, and there's at least four or five of us that have to go. So whatever we can do, we'll do. We're trying, you know, vigilance. Eternal vigilance is what it's about, folks. Join us. I know many of you do. Many of you help. In many ways, uh, it's going to take a lot more to get anything done. Not not massive numbers, but but numbers. We've got to have some better numbers. Okay, let's see. Let's start with uh, Mr. Obama admits U.S. role in the Ukraine overthrow. Really, speaking on RT yesterday. Executive Director Daniel McAdams wonders whether President Obama spoke a bit too freely in a recent CNN interview. In the interview, the president told CNN that the United States government had, quote, brokered a deal to transition power in Ukraine, unquote. Really? Why are we constantly meddling in the affairs of other states? It's so infuriating. It's just all part of the constant game that's played. The policemen of the world, we are so smart, and all we do is screw everybody up. This admission that the U.S. was playing a role in the February 2014 coup flies in the face of the dominant West narrative, which is that the overthrow of the Ukrainian government was solely a popular uprising. And so he's either a liar, he's either trying to to uh, bolster his presence in the global 
questions because we brokered a deal. So he's either lying about it or we interfered. Either way, it's a lose-lose for us and un- unreasonable, just out, out of control, completely out of control. What are we doing meddling in the affairs? Instead of protecting, honoring our, our promises, we meddle, just constantly meddling at the behest of the bankers, lawyers, and whoever is at the top of the top of the food chain. So interesting that uh, it's just an interesting concept that he actually said that in a quote that he brokered a deal to transition power in the Ukraine. Cute. Nice, Barry. Go back to Indonesia. Put your finger up in the air. Give the signal to your your Muslim brothers and sisters. See? Not about it's not about being a Muslim basher, but when you have someone that is of that mindset, he was taught that. That's his. That's that's why we don't want dual loyalists as president. You can be legitimately elected to any office in the country except president as a dual loyalist. And we won't even stand for that. We won't even make that a priority. We've got this guy in there who is Indonesian of unknown mixed race. And it's not about the race. It's about his mindset. He was raised by an anti-American family. He lived and was trained in Indonesia as a youth. He lived in Hawaii. Come on, people. What is this guy doing in there? It's our fault. It's our fault. It's our responsibility to be vigilant, and we dropped the ball. Not individually, but collectively, we dropped the ball. We let this this usurper sit in that White House in the, the supposedly most powerful seat in the world, and we've got somebody in there that is a lousy golf player. Our fault. Okay, let's get rid of that. Let's see. But then, on the other hand, a meddling, uh, we're not meddling, no, meddling again, U.S., Turkey, soon to sign Syrian opposition, train and equipment deal. The United States and Turkey have reached a tentative agreement to train and equip moderate, <coughs> moderate Syrian opposition fighters and expect to sign the pact soon, U.S. and Turkish officials said last Tuesday with Ankara predicting a signing in days. The U.S. military has said it is planning to send more than 400 troops. Stop me if you've heard this before, including special operations forces to train Vietnam, oh, no, no, Syrian moderates at sites outside of Nam as part of the fight against communism. Oh, no, Islamic State. Wait a minute. Do we, do we, damn, this makes me so crazy. What are we doing? Planning to send 400 troops, we'll put them into Laos and not really put them into Iraq. We're not going to send troops back into Vietnam. We're going to put them in Laos. Come on. Have you heard this crap before? U.S. officials just that they plan to train 5,000 Syrian fighters in South Vietnam. No, 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 I'm sorry, not South Vietnam, in Syria. A year, 5,000 a year for three years under the plan. And, and, you know, our friends, the Saudis in Qatar, 
have publicly offered to host training sites. No kidding. No, no kidding. Uh, Saudi Arabia. Wait a minute. Didn't didn't those didn't fifteen of those nineteen um, supposed hijackers and a bunch of skinny Arabs that that brought down three buildings with two airplanes in New York one day a few years ago? What fifteen of those from Saudi Arabia? Hmm. Son of a gun. Wait a minute. Uh, Turkey hopes, South Vietnam hopes, the training will also bolster the weakened and divided armies. Opposite, you know, you know where I'm going. I, I'm just, it, this just makes me so crazy. You know, we do the same thing over and over and expect a different outcome. That's the, uh, that's the, that's the definition of insanity. And we're doing it again. Negotiations have been concluded and an agreement text will be signed with the U.S. regarding the training of the Free Syrian Army in the coming period. Turkish Foreign Minister Spokesman Tanyu Blijic, whatever, said, we will share all the technical details when the text is signed, but it's anticipated that this will be happening in the coming days. Mm -hmm. In Washington, State Department Spokesman Jen Pasak confirmed an agreement with Ankara in principle. As we have announced before, Turkey has agreed to be one of the regional hosts for the train and equip program for moderate Syrian opposition forces. We expect to conclude and sign the Turkey agreement with Turkey soon. And when will we have to? When will we send our young men and women to stand in opposition to the people that we trained and supplied equipment to? these moderate Syrian opposition forces who are our friend today because they're our enemy of the enemy that was created by the CIA, but we will have to fight them after we arm and equip and train them on how we would fight them. Really, really total insanity. Absolute, absolute total insanity. Oh, well, but that's the way it is, isn't it? We just we go from one insane, stupid issue to another. Uh, dumbed down community education or 21st century communism. Yeah, I don't know. I may come back to that one. We'll have to hit that one. I'm just going to hit a bunch of these as quick as I can. This is interesting. Interesting, kind of sick. MI5 halted police child abuse investigation. Uh, yuck. This is really yuck. I don't know. I don't know why we, as a people, bunch of human beings, put up with this crap. It goes on all the time, right under our noses, and we just kind of look away. MI5 halted police child abuse investigation. Victims at children's home accuse security service of colluding to protect abusers. MI5 blocked police investigations into sexual abuse at a children's home to protect their intelligence gathering operation. Oh, this is something new, right? No. Let's see if I can find a date. This, co this goes back. They've been using, the British have been using this children's home since the 70s. The claims that children were molested for years because police and the British security services were using the home run by a member of a Protestant paramilitary organization to gather intelligence are already subject to a separate inquiry in Northern Ireland, the historic and institutional abuse inquiry. Mm -hmm. Critics of the Historical and institutional abuse inquiry claim it lacks sufficient powers to get to the heart of the scandal as it may not be able to compel either evidence or witnesses from MI5. Again, the powers that be do whatever they want and then lock it down. This has been going on since the 70s. Somehow the local police got involved. Somehow the local police got involved, and then they shut them down because they they touch base with the step on the toes of the elites. There you go. So that's the way that is. 
You gotta love it. You gotta love it. So, who's in charge? <clears throat> if you don't think we're, and my wife is always quoting that that scripture, and it and it drives me just a little bit crazy because, just because. But we don't battle flesh and blood. We're battling evil principalities, demons, and boys. I'll get you. You can't be any more evil, satanic than those kind of people that would allow child abuse to continue and molestation to continue to protect their their secret deals and their intelligence gathering. Mm. Mm. Then from the kind of for what it's worth department, we'll, uh, this is Again, this is kind of tongue-in-cheek funny. Who knows? Uh, oh my! Let me uh, let me get back to this. Let me go into. Oh goodness! Big accident in Bridgewater last night. Oh, it, this is a chat room. Come on in the chat room, guys. If you come in the chat room, you'd know that what I was doing here. Apparently, there was a big accident in Bridgewater last night, and the folks from up north uh, couldn't even get down to Holton for. Uh, the Howe Shirtlift Dan McGonagill meeting. Wow. Wow. Not good. Any idea if anybody was hurt? Bridgewater. We all know folks all over the county. Like I said, there's more more moose than people per acre, so you get to know most of the folks, even in a county that huge. So if you were in the chat room, you could be exchanging information here. You guys that are saying, I know, I know, because you're listening on the radio. Get in the chat room. It's kind of fun. Talkshoe.com. Okay. Uh, let's see. 46 dead people claimed as much as $890,000 in winning lotto tickets as New Jersey audit reveals major identity fraud. Jeez, uh, folks. What are we going to do about this whole identity thing? Are we ever going to? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the maybe the jig's up. Maybe we don't have any. Maybe we don't have any way out of this. I don't know. But we all, as brain dead people, have allowed our identity to be a number. My identity is not a number. My identity is me real flesh and blood, blood living human being with a soul, not some number, not some some uh, digitized image of me. But we've gotten into this this identity thing and it just nonstop. There's two fairly major issues going on here. One of them is it's been in the Bangor Daily for a number of days where the some professor was traveling and lost his had his computer stolen and he wasn't supposed to have the the uh, personal data on his computer but somehow or another he had 600 former University of Maine students private information on his computer and it was stolen so 600 people, oh, that's just a small number, it doesn't matter. Their, their, their personal information, their, their identity, which, see, if we think about that, that's not their identity, but it is how they can be manipulated by having their, their government identity stolen. Because everything's tied to that government identity. Uh, free people are the gr- greater slaves, the ones that think they are the most free. Completely, you're completely controlled by government identity. And it's going to do nothing but get much worse. If we don't do something about it, people, it's going to get a lot worse. Even the, the Secretary of State says, It's coming up. It's coming to a head. It's going to get worse. They're going to make 
the state of Maine comply with their international identification and tracking device. Next year, you're not going to be able to get on an airplane and travel within your 50 sovereign states. You can't go. You can't even fly within your own state without a government ID. Your papers, please. You don't think there'll be checkpoints eventually? You don't think? Oh, I forgot. There already are checkpoints. There already are checkpoints. You see the you see the folks, the nice guys in the green, the little little green suits, get on the bus in Holton, or bring the dog on the bus in Presque Isle, and then just accidentally, casually wander around the parking lot with the dog, sniffing all the cars in the parking lot. Your papers, please. We will find it, and if you if you really want to know the truth, if they want to mess with you, the dog can be triggered to say, look in here, folks. There's something in here. I'm just a dog, but I can make you make life miserable for you. Mm -hmm. So this one in New Jersey was just kind of a hoot. 46 dead people claimed as much as $890,000 in winning lottery tickets because... There's a way to steal some money from the people that are stealing money. Wow. Yep. The tax on the poor, the lottery, is nothing but that. By fraud, jeez, frauds got through as lotto officials failed to check Social Security numbers or scrutinize winners that were winning under $250,000. Oh, so they, they, they scrutinized the Social Security numbers Hey, it's all tied to that number. It's all tied to that fictitious entity created without your permission. Fraud points to tickets discounting the prohibited practice of selling a winning ticket to a third party to avoid scrutiny. The third party may use a relative's name and a social security number to avoid paying taxes themselves, potentially resulting in the names of the deceased being entered. Oh, jeez. you got to love it. You gotta love it. Everything's a scam. Why don't we just why why don't we just have the states get out of the gambling business? Oh wait a minute. If if you um in certain states they still gambling oh gambling is illegal except for the state. The state can run it. The state can run a gambling ring. But if you and five of your buddies get together and play a <clears throat> high stakes poker game that could be illegal. They could they could come in and confiscate the evidence. That's the uh, the money sitting on the table. The evidence. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay when the state puts this lottery tax on, especially the poor. It is absolutely horrific. People will spend that last two bucks on a lottery ticket instead of buying a loaf of bread for their kids. That's sad because people get into desperate situations and they think wrong. And the state encourages that. The state absolutely encourages that. Makes me crazy. Makes me crazy. Just thought it was funny that 46 dead people claimed almost a million dollars in lottery tickets in New Jersey. Cute. Cute. You got to love it. You just got to love it. Oh, let's see. Oh, this is this one actually. Uh, phone security. Ugh. They don't have to hack your phone. Looks like they've already done it. Instead of hacking the phones, instead of going to AT&T or Verizon, a new report by Intercepts details a stunning heist made by U.S. and U.K. spies that has given intelligence agencies the ability to break through the privacy of smartphone communications. The report claims that the NSA and GCHQ successfully hacked the network of Imalto, a major manufacturer of the SIM cards. You know the little SIM card, little dinky things go in your uh, smartphone? 
<clears throat> they didn't just tell Verizon that we want access. They actually hacked the major manufacturer SIM cards and obtained the secret keys that unlocked phone data. In short, it's a massive security breach that means your phone could be vulnerable to the whims of the world's most powerful spy agencies. We still don't know how many people may be affected, but it's safe to say that the number could be significant. All four major U.S. carriers are customers of Gamalto, and the Intercept reports that the company produces around 2 billion, with a B, SIM cards each year. We've asked the big carriers, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and Sprint, to comment on the story. Uh, Gamalto told the Intercept that it was completely unaware of the security breach until now. The breach is a disastrous is disastrous for mobile security, which has historically already been on shaky ground. Gaining access to a database of keys is pretty much game over for cellular encryption, says cryptography specialist Matthew Green. Today's report potentially fills some gaps in what we know about the NSA's collections data over the internet. The agency has two main sources of data, which is downstream collection, which involves explicit requests to the technology companies for user data, and upstream collection, which pulls data directly from the cables and airwaves that facilitate the net. The NSA is sophisticated in both methods, but one outstanding question has been, has been just now just how effective the agency's upstream collection is. It's simply too expensive to decrypt massive amounts of data with brute force, but it's a different story if you own the encryption keys for, say, a secure email client or billions of mobile SIM cards. So how do spies get their hands on the goods? Who cares? I'm just sick of it. It's back to the same thing, people. We don't have any security. We gave up our security. We traded we traded our, our freedom for some false sense of security. Hang on a second. Uh, just a minute. Serve to us while we emulate the heroes of wisdom. 
choices are for you and me. Liberty or slavery. Time for you to choose your destiny. Okay, let's get into the uh, choosing your destiny part of um, the LD. What is it? Where is it? Where is that dumb thing? LR280. LR280, the constitutional carry bill. We're just going to go down through this, and uh, I think it's, I like the way it's written, and um, good information, and will maybe dispel some of the fears and some of the uh, uh, questions you might have about what constitutional carry is, does, changes, or doesn't, or doesn't. Um, let's go. Let me check into the chat room, make sure I can actually, this is small enough, I can bring the chat up. Hi, Dottie. There we go. I can't quite do it. Can't quite do it. There it is. Good. I can just about see both of them. Okay. These, uh, there is an important bill in the 127th legislature that is really picking up momentum. It better, oh, that's, I, I keep jumping in there. The higher profile, higher profile a bill is, the easier it is to be misunderstood. Due to the amount of chatter around it, I'd like to take a moment to explain Senator Eric Brakey's constitutional carry bill, LR-280, and help clear up some misconceptions. First and foremost, this bill would not permit anyone who is prohibited to own or carry a gun today to do so. Okay, you got that. First and foremost, this bill would not permit anyone currently prohibited to carry. This is a simple fact that keeps getting lost in the message. As the law stands today, anyone who can legally purchase and own a handgun can place it on their person and carry it. There are two methods of carrying a handgun, open carry and concealed carry. To reiterate, anyone who can legally purchase and own a handgun today can already carry it. The fly in the ointment is it must remain exposed. The second way to carry is concealed. To conceal a handgun today requires a permit issued by the issuing authority in the municipality of the applicant's residence. It is an ineffective an expensive permitting system for several reasons, and since it has nothing to do with purchasing, owning, or carrying a handgun, it is considered by many to be unnecessary. Why doesn't the current permit system work? Uh, okay, thanks, Bob. <laughs> okay, uh, the most obvious reason is, uh, Bob, I thought you had to be at uh, the ACRC meeting this morning. See, we're doing this thing in chat. Anyway, uh, that'd be good. Uh, the most obvious reason is that bad guys, those who use firearms to commit crimes, neither bother to apply for a permit nor care if they have one. It only affects those who voluntarily comply and desire to participate in remaining a law-abiding citizen. We could talk about a lot of these terms, but we won't. This is a good article. This is well-written. Uh, this comes from the gentleman from uh, Sportsman's Alliance of Maine. Actually, very interesting si aside on this, Sportsman's Alliance of Maine, I believe that our uh, Secretary of State, uh, Matt Dunlap, was instrumental in setting up this, their, uh, their corporate legal structure. Interesting. He's a very interesting guy. There's also uh, something going on between uh, in the in the court system or in the in the um, in the Capitol relative to Matt Dunlap, the Secretary of State, and we don't really know exactly what's going on. And I'm not going to uh, enter into conjecture, but on uh, Matt Dunlap's Facebook page, he made some comment that it was a a really lousy day. He must have had a really tough day. Something was going on. And uh, one of the comments in there was from Janet Mills, the Attorney General. And her comment was, I've got your back. wonder what that's all about. Hmm, just a little aside from the, um, 
from the folks that are pulling the strings in Disgusta. Interesting. Um, Dottie's reminding me that the oral arguments are February 26th in Portland at 10 a.m. Yes, we did that at the very beginning of the show. Okay, back to this explanation of, of LR280. And don't forget, folks, it makes a difference. As this heats up, it makes a difference. If you contact the people that are going to be voting in the committee whether this ought to pass or ought not to pass. That's the way it's done down there. And then it goes through. Sometimes it's ought not to pass and comes through well, and sometimes it doesn't. So it's going to be up to you and me to be involved. If we're not involved, don't squawk. The most obvious, it only affects, we'll do that. The most obvious reason is that bad guys, those who use firearms to commit crimes, neither bother to apply for a permit nor care if they have one. It only affects those who voluntarily comply and desire to participate in remaining a law-abiding citizen. When we create hurdles for people to jump through voluntarily, only those who wish to comply participate. It kind of makes the whole system ineffective beyond creating the, creating the illusion of safety that ultimately does not exist. The fact is, a prohibited person, intent on committing a crime involving a firearm, does not ask the local chief of police for a firm permit to carry his illegal gun to carry out illegal activities. Another solid reason why the system does, not, does nothing for public safety is because, as stated before, anyone who can purchase and own a handgun now can carry that handgun in compliance with the law. The permit system only allows, quote-unquote, the person who has one to wear a sweater or coat while doing so without the potential of breaking a law by inadvertently concealing it. The whole permit system has been long referred to as a coat tax, as it permits, all it permits is the wearing of a coat and has nothing to do with the firearm at all. It seems kind of silly to spend time and money, both in support, in short supply these days, only for the ability to wear a coat and not become a criminal by accident. When you compound this important fact where criminals and bad guys choose not to voluntarily comply and simply put their gun in their pocket, it becomes a great effort that only exists for the sake of existing. Many people believe that the main Constitution allows the carrying of a firearm on their person already. Article 1, Section 16, the main Constitution plainly states every citizen has the right to keep and bear arms, and this right shall never be questioned. Well, bearing arms certainly includes having it in your possession and doesn't signify any particular style of carry. To many main citizens, the process of asking permission in applying for a permit to exercise a right defies the shall never be questioned criteria. This writer believes a main Supreme Court challenge would undoubtedly agree also, unlike the arguments we see about the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution being old and outdated, which it is neither, Article 1, Section 16 was added by the citizens of the state of Maine in the 1980s. Uh, no, it wasn't added. It was modified uh, for <clears throat> clarity. I wish it had stayed the original. It's only slightly modified. So what are some of the concerns? Uh, I would like to address those individually for clarity. And this, I like the way he did this. The reasons I have heard stated will be listed below along with an explanation that should quell even the most concerned citizen or legislator. So if you think about this, the people, there's only one way for the, the gun control people to actually make things safer, because this is not about anything to do, these gun laws are not anything to do with actually about the gun, it's about how you handle carry, it's about you, it's about controlling you, and they don't control unlawful people they simply turn good people into criminals so here's the, here's the deal our permit process screens out those not allowed by law mm, not really Please remember, under current law, everyone who can legally purchase and own already has the ability to carry it. 
the permit system attempts to screen people who voluntarily comply, submit to the process, ask permission, uh, pay the fee, the capital, capital, exclamation points, pay the fee, and desire the ability to wear a coat. When approved, they may wear a sweater or jacket without fear of becoming a lawbreaker inadvertently. Criminals do not go through this process before committing a criminal act because they simply do not voluntarily comply. This is what makes them a criminal. Hello? People must be trained before carrying a handgun. Not really. Once again, under law today, anyone who can purchase and own can already carry it. Only those who voluntarily comply with the permit to wear a coat while doing so requires some sort of training. This is an illusion that has kept the broken system we have in service as long as it has. It is a false sense of security for the reasons pointed out above, but an important one nonetheless. I want my permit for reciprocity with other states I frequently visit. This situation will only get better and be a completely opt-in system for people who really want a good permit in permit increasing the reciprocity several fold. Right now, the main permit is only accepted by a few states. If we can create a system where we have a very complete, very thorough, widely accepted permit as in as many other states as possible, it becomes much more valuable without burdening those of us who are not concerned with out-of-state carry and do not want to shoulder the financial burden only utilized by others. Maine citizens can carry in their desired way with this constitutional carry model, with no coat associated, no cost associated. And those who desire the more complex permit to allow the maximum reciprocity with places they travel can opt in. The extra expense can easily be justified by the lack of necessity for numerous non-resident permits from other states um, Jeff says, in fact, I carry five myself, and since it is an opt-in only, I have to bear the burden. Hmm, I own a firearm academy, and this will destroy my business. Again, nope, at least none that I can think of. Since the subject of training is upon us, let's really get into detail here. Uh, since the subject left, there is a current requirement that is exploited for financial gain and creates a lot of students for some schools. The theory is if people need to have training as a requirement to obtain their permit to wear their coat, then they carry, when they carry a handgun, if they voluntarily comply and bother to jump through those hoops, there are automatic student opportunities for schools and instructors. Hmm. With the new opt-in enhanced system for purposes of reciprocity, there will be several students who will require a higher level of training than some are teaching now. This could be a great experience to step it up a bit and offer new courses with the additional requirements. It's a fantastic opportunity for many of the amazing uh, and competent instructors and schools already in place. Oh, interesting. However, there is an elephant in the room that needs to be addressed. While it is a small number of instructors, I would like to speak to this personally. I have, this is Jeff Zimba speaking. I have been an NRA certified firearms instructor for over two decades. I am also certified in numerous other disciplines ranging from an armorer in several systems to a law enforcement chemical aerosol instructor. Though these disciplines have little in common on the outside, they have one very important common denominator. My students come to me because they want to learn about whatever it is in the class pertains to, and they leave with both an increased confidence and competence. My students choose me because I am thorough and my class is entertaining and enlightening. They want the most bang for their buck and would not settle for any less. I do have students contact me because there is a I do not have students contact me because there is a poor system in place which requires them to provide their concealed carry chief law enforcement officer with a certificate and then hang it on the refrigerator. It is the knowledge they seek and not the certificate, even with a gold star. The reason I bring this up is because there are instructors who may 
not be as concerned with selling knowledge as they are at selling a certificate. They are, they are neither helping those who seek them out in need of training, nor are they assisting the illusion of perceived safety. Legitimate instructors refer to these instructors who advertise and cater to this niche with accelerated learning, rapid classes with no shooting time, <laughs> in and out in a few hours with certificate in hand as certificate mills. I don't believe they are common or large in numbers. I associate with several instructors, and they all care about the education of the student first and foremost. So I hope this group is an urban legend more so than reality. Instead of looking at the situation as lost opportunity for four students who are required to seek a certificate, I see this as an entirely different way. I personally know several people who now have the ability to carry in any way they desire due to being grandfathered through the old system, yet they do not. They do not feel competent or comfortable enough to accept the responsibility of carrying every day, so they simply leave it at home, locked away. They occasionally come out and take a good class and leave feeling comfortable and informed and join the ranks of the everyday carry crowd. Looking at it this way, there will be thousands of new potential students who can legally wear that coat over their firearm, making it attractive where open carry did not appeal to them. This grows the customer base for an honest school and instructor several fold. It's a whole new day with several people in need. It's a whole new day with several people in need of or who will find a desire to learn because the hurdles have been removed. As an instructor in your class, do you want students who would rather be somewhere else, don't care to really learn anything, and just want to buy a piece of paper? Or do you want a classroom full of excited, enthusiastic students who will push your abilities as an instructor to places where you can desire to learn more? I love classes that run hours over the original time and the satisfaction of watching someone get it for the first time. The sights make sense. The grips work right. The law is now easy to understand with clear boundaries. It is those students who eventually transform from new and even afraid to enlightened, empowered, and they make training a rewarding task. Got to move the page. Got to move the page. See if I can do it without destroying everything. Uh, and lose my place. Uh, think about all the potential new people you will have the ability to market your amazing classes to and how much growth is possible. In my humble opinion, that if you are really a teacher or an instructor, your classes will swell, not decline. So, the summary of this is, we have a broken system. Since the system we have in place now is ineffective and expensive and provides little service to anyone, Let's read the writing on the wall and move beyond. This is how we have always done it, folks. It doesn't work as it is. Other states have blazed away since other states have been using the constitutional carry model for many years with no problems to public safety or otherwise. We have no learning curve as the trailblazing has been done for us. Ah, we'll, we'll talk about that one for just a minute. Since other states have been using the constitutional carry model for many years, with no problems to public safety, you will hear people start bring up the the um, Gabby Giffords uh, incident and many other incidents. The only way to the only way to prevent those incidents is to have gun confiscation, make gun production illegal and have surveillance on every street corner. If that's, the, if that's the society you want, then that's where you're going to have to go. I don't want that. I'm not staying for that. I'm not going to put up with that. Other states have blazed, okay, we did that. Criminals just don't participate. Since only the law-abiding, honest people voluntarily participate, and it is ignored by the very people society desires to control, it makes no sense to continue with a failed program. Not a single new person will be able to carry a handgun because even the most ardent supporters of the current permit system understand it doesn't actually have anything to do with carrying a handgun. 
but only about wearing a coat while doing so. We should scrap it, save the time, money, and administrative costs associated with it. A proper, sensible program will be implemented in its place. It will be completely voluntarily, voluntary for those who desire the travel benefits of having a state permanent. It will be funded completely by them with zero burden on those who do not wish to participate. It will only have to serve a fraction of the current permit holders, so costs and burdens will be streamlined another win-win. Support Senator Eric Brakey's constitutional carry bill, LR280, and do something positive all around. It makes a lot of sense, has no negative drawbacks. Education is a powerful tool. Thank you, Jeff. I uh, appreciate that article that you wrote. Well wrote. Well written. Well written. I agree. 100%. We, uh, we need to just eliminate this and actually follow the law. See, all that wording is to encourage following the law. How simple. Why don't we just say, uh, where was it? Article 1, Section 16. The, right, the people have the right to keep and bear arms and this right shall never be questioned. The word right is in that one little tiny article. Article 1, Section 16. The, right, the word right is in there twice. It must be important. They didn't put rights at the top of the page and then just list a whole bunch of stuff. One sentence has the word right in it twice. Hello. Must have been a reason for that. Okay, let's see. Anything else we need to do? Anybody in chat got anything we got to get out before we close? I think um, Bob just said that, uh, let me get into the chat room here. Doesn't open automatically. There we go. Um, I think we're going to play uh, Roger's show from yesterday after the show today. That's great, great. Saturday morning, uh, have another cup of coffee and uh, listen to Roger Eck, the Northern Maine Landman, as he comes on here momentarily. And um, I think that's about it for today, folks. Again, we could use some help getting back and forth to Portland and all the, the details. It would be nice to be able to not have to make a round trip. And so that means dollars for hotel rooms. We'd appreciate it if we could uh, do that. And... Also, the folks that already are supporting us, we appreciate all that you do. The folks that send uh, some, some money in uh, every month to keep the electric bill paid at the station, we appreciate that. Uh, it's been a little short lately. Uh, the owners of the station are not real happy with that, but if you can do it, do it. We'll take whatever we can get to help. Nobody's making any money on this. We just barely, uh, barely keep the phone bill and the Internet bill paid, so... We appreciate what you do. We could use a little help on all these separate issues. So if you happen to be in Bangor today, stop into Natural Living Center. Hot cup of coffee, fresh muffins, good sandwiches, nice food in the deli. Stop in for lunch. If you're down, if you're down for, the, uh, for the tournament, this is tournament week. The county empties. Everybody goes to Bangor, watches the basketball games. Uh, the games have been going steady over at the uh, Cross Auditorium. So stop in the Natural Living Center on 209 Longview Drive. Uh, get some lunch. Take some good stuff home. Uh, say hello to the folks in the supplement department. 209 Longview Drive in Bangor. And in the county, John Caven, Countywide Vacuum. John sells a perfect vacuum, services the rest. John has a wall of bags. He'll send vacuum cleaner bags any place in the country. Give him a call, 207-492-1492, 207-492-1492, John Caven, Countywide Vacuum. And, yeah, don't forget, Sears is gone. Another store bites the dust in Prescott. So if you've got 10 more stuff, you can't get them from Sears. You have to give John a call, 207-492-1492. And if you're up doing some snowmobiling, you want uh, coffee, Chester fried chicken, gas, oil, whatever, 3 o'clock tomorrow morning, 24-7, 365. Well, that's variety on Sweden Street in Caribou, and it's the place to get all your stuff. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you on the radio.
WXME AM 780 Monticello Holton Presque Isle.